Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with Him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and Tell. Good morning, everyone. As uh, Danny just uh, said, my name is Josh Trice, and for the last three years, I've been serving here at FBCSA as the student ministry associate. Um, and so I've had the honor and privilege to work with Rick, as well as our youth and our college students. And this morning, uh, I've been given the opportunity to preach to you. And the title of the sermon, uh, as you can see on the card you got as you came in this morning, is the burden of freedom. And today I wanna to talk to you about that very thing. I wanna to talk to you about freedom. And we understand freedom, right? I mean, after all, we say that we live in the land of the free. We have the freedom of religion, the freedom of press, the freedom of speech, the freedom to protest. But today, I wanna to focus on a different kind of freedom. I want to focus on the freedom Paul describes in the first half of Galatians chapter 5. So far in our study of Galatians, Paul's been combating teaching that was saying that non-Jewish Christians had to follow the law in order to belong to God's people, God's family. And Paul's entire argument against that teaching is centered on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that leads us to our first point this morning. Our freedom comes from Christ. In the first four verses of chapter five, Paul writes this. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. And so what Paul is demonstrating for us here, and really throughout his entire letter to the Galatians, is that the law, or 
Torah is temporary. The Bible Project has a wonderfully helpful video about the letter to the Galatians. And in that video, they talk about how the law had two purposes for the people of Israel, one positive and one negative. Negatively, the law acted like a magnifying glass, exposing inconsistent or sinful behavior among the people. And likewise, it showed how incapable the people were, and even us, how incapable we are of living up to that standard. That's why Paul calls the law slavery. And last week, Danny shared a helpful illustration of trying to fill a water cooler with the spout open. No matter how much water you put in, no how much effort you put in, it will never be enough. Positively, the law was like a strict teacher. It was keeping the behavior of the people in line until the Messiah was to come. And this is Paul's thesis statement. Jesus was the Messiah. He fulfilled that role. Therefore, Jewish Christians must choose who or what to follow, the law or the Messiah. And choosing to follow the law means to take on the burden of living out its entirety on your own effort. But choosing to follow the Messiah means letting go of your own striving, letting go of your own effort to be filled with the Spirit and be empowered. And that leads us to our second point this morning. Our freedom is Spirit-driven. In verses five and six of chapter five, Paul writes this. But we who live by the spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. In its essence, The law is good. The core message of the law is to love God and love your neighbor. And that's why Jesus and Paul both summarize the law in that way. However, all you need to do uh, is read through the Old Testament and you will see time and again, it is impossible to live up to the law. It is impossible to do the whole thing on your own effort. And that's why Paul argues that the spirit that we receive when we follow Christ is necessary. The spirit is what empowers us to live in love, to live into the heart of the law. And better yet, as Paul argues, since Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, By following him and being indwelled by his spirit, then we can be righteous. So freedom is from Christ and it is spirit-driven, 
but what is its purpose? I think sometimes we assume that freedom is a personal thing. To have freedom, we might tell ourselves, is to be free from the opinions or the objections of others. Freedom, we tell ourselves, is for me. Contrary to that view, Paul, in verses 13 through 15, frames freedom in a different way. And that leads us to our third point this morning. Our freedom is for others. In verses 13 through 15, uh, we read it aloud earlier, but I'm going to read it again. Paul writes this, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. In following Jesus, we are empowered by the Spirit to fulfill the law through loving one another. And this is the essence of the law as we just talked about and read. It's all about loving God, and loving others. And before Jesus, that was an immensely difficult task. And I don't think I'm speaking out of line when I say even after Jesus, that remains an immensely difficult thing to do. But having the good news of Christ, having his spirit, we have new hope. It's not only through our own effort that we live in love. Rather, by the power of the Spirit, we are being made new. Next week, we're going to talk all about the fruit of the Spirit, those tangible characteristics that are born out of a life that is centered in Christ. And I don't want to steal Danny's thunder and I don't want to steal any of his material. So shameless plug, if you want to hear more about that, you're going to have to come next week. It's going to be great, I promise. But what I will say is that through the Spirit, we no longer have a burden. We have a calling. The law was a list of things that you had to adhere to in order to maintain relationship with God. Now, however, in relationship with Christ, we are not called to adhere to a list, but to go out and live in love. And that calling does not come without some restriction. Our freedom is not unrestricted. And that's why we need to be careful with what we do with our freedom. Paul reminds us we can abuse our freedom. And we abuse our freedom when we're selfish with it. We harm, more so we harm the community we're called to be a part of when we're selfish with our freedom. I think this is an important topic for Paul because he wrote something similar when writing to the Corinthians. He wrote this, 
I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though you say I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. I think this is important for us to remember. As followers of Jesus, we should not be using or abusing our freedom to satisfy ourselves or lord it over others. Rather, our freedom, given to us by the grace of God, should be, by the power of the Spirit, the glue that binds us together in Christ-centered community. Our freedom and the grace that granted it was and is costly. That leads us to our final point this morning. Our freedom is not free. In his wonderful book, uh, The Cost of Discipleship, I highly recommend it, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, makes this point that I'd like to read for you this morning. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the sake of it, a man will gladly go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy which the merchant will sell all his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow, and it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life, and it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin, and grace because it justifies the sinner. And above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his son. When we follow Jesus, we give up our old pursuits, our old desires, and our old way of living. We give up the ways in which we abuse our freedom. Freedom isn't free, and it isn't without its purpose. Our freedom from Christ is for the world. God desires to make all things new, including you and I. So my hope for us is that in whatever your life looks like, you can be inspired and empowered by the Spirit to use your freedom for good, to use your freedom for your neighbor. I wanna 
close this morning with a story of somebody that I think exemplifies Paul's teaching and understands freedom more than I and many of us ever will. In 1998, at the age of 17, Taryn Moore was roped into a robbery plan by some guys that he knew in his neighborhood. And Taryn's job in the act was to hold the clerk at gunpoint. And so the time came to commit the robbery and Taryn did his job, but the clerk went for the gun. So Taryn and the man wrestled for the weapon and as they did so, it went off and the clerk was killed. And so Taryn was caught, tried, and sentenced to life in prison without parole. However, in 2012, the Supreme Court ruled that such a sentencing for minors was unconstitutional. And so after 19 years, six months and six days, Taryn Moore was set free. What did he do? with his freedom. Taryn chose to love his neighbor as himself and use his freedom for good. Taryn pledged his life after being released from prison to help at-risk youth and teens from making the same mistakes he did. He didn't abuse his freedom. He did not take it for granted. He chose to use it for the good of the world. And so this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are free. You have been given freedom. You are called to use that freedom for the good of your neighbor. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus this morning, that freedom that I have and many of us in this room have is available to you. It will cost you, but my hope and my prayer is that you will see that that cost is nothing compared to the community you gain. In following Christ, in receiving freedom from him, we are called to leave independence behind and enter interdependence. We need Christ we need his spirit, and we need each other. So let us go out and follow Christ into the world and use our freedom for the good of our neighbor. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being gracious. Thank you for spending a cost none of us ever could. Lord, thank you for meeting us where we are in our weakness. And Lord, I just pray this morning that we can be empowered and inspired by your spirit to find our neighbors and to give them the freedom they're looking for. Lord, you're a good God who is for our good. Let us remember that as we go and let us be faithful as we live in love. Amen.